David Duke, top of the arc. Here's Pip, guarded by Gillespie. Steps back. Spins! Fires! David Duke, down by three. Five seconds, Reeves for the tie. He got it! Listening to WWM 91.3 PC Radio. And this is Behind the Dish. I'm Ben Bellotti. This is my co-host, Rob. Rob, how are you doing this morning? Pretty well. Tough, uh, tough Friday's loss yesterday, <sighs> but I'm here, so that's I mean, all that matters. Uh, you can say that again, and you can say that in a way that uh, you know, I'm not too happy about. No, it's uh, it's definitely a tough morning. Oh yeah. Well, so Rob, I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch too much of the game. I know you're watching the whole thing. So, what, some initial thoughts on it? It was tough. Um, so of everybody to play well, Alpha, Alpha had yeah. career high in rebounds. I think seventeen, and uh, nineteen points. Is he had his best game of the year? And Flat out, no one else played well. Uh, they they almost broke the school record for most turnovers in a single game. Wow. Which was baffling. I, I don't know how they didn't get it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. It felt like every single game. They, they had more turnovers than uh, field goals made, which is atrocious. Um, but what I will say is uh, there's one thing that I, I did like from the game. And another thing I didn't like. The most, the person who I thought wanted to win the most on the Providence team was Ed Gooley. Oh, yeah? Which is, Evil. I mean, it's a little concerning almost. But I, I love his passion, but I was, I, it made me a little nervous as a, as a fan. Like, they, these guys are giving up wide open threes and they really weren't even flinching, Ben. It was tough. Oh, I mean, like, Coach Cooley, he, you always know he's one of the most passionate guys out there. So you can always see he has that, uh, that drive to win and the devotion to it, but you're saying he's the one that wants to win the most. I mean, we got we got a ton of players on that court and on that bench. Do so you think and one of them would match his too. level? I mean, yeah. especially. I mean, you know, you kind of understand it. St. John's, you expect the Friars just going to roll right over them. So maybe you know you're going in a little relaxed. But from what you're telling me, it sounds like there's way too relaxed, and everyone was just. I mean, even if it is one of the games you're quote unquote supposed to win can't go in with that mindset 100 percent. you have to be you have to take it like every other game and i mean, clearly they just did not do that last night yeah exactly um so i guess i guess looking forward we'll look forward at the friars they have seton hall coming into town on saturday right big big game which now is a must win oh we have to of beat course them, which is tough and seton hall is coming off a loss last night themselves um, so, which is a little scary, you don't you, you know, never you want know, to, maybe got a little fire gonna, in their eyes, yeah. Out, I bet. Um, but yes, and now that's, that's essentially a must-win game on Saturday against the top 10 team in the country, um, which, again. And by no means is it going to be an easy game. No, it's <laughs> going to be the toughest game we played all year. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I would expect a couple tough days of practice leading up to that, um, one one cool thing I will say about the game, I was just talking about it before the show. Andrew Font 
Oh yeah, this and, this is interesting. So Andrew Fonts, who he's a he's a walk on. Um, generally, he doesn't generally play unless it's a blowout. But you went in at the end of the first half with 30 seconds left just right. to play D. We had some foul trouble, and St. John's was inbounding the ball. So they they had a five second violation. He never they never inbounded the ball, so no time got off the clock, and then he got taken out of the game. So technically he played, but he played zero seconds. Wait, so if, if you look at the the box score, is his name listed? His his name is on there, but, but, but zero seconds played. Zero seconds played. It was that's great. So it, I just thought that was like a that, that's something you never see. So it, it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but but did play the game. He did play. There you he, go. He did play, but uh, but his average minutes per game will take it. Take a tumble. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so should we even revisit our uh, predictions from earlier this week for this game? Yeah, why not? All right. They were uh, they were not good. We both thought the Friars were gonna win. So uh, we'll start with mine. Mine's first. So we got I had the Friars by thirteen points. All right. Seventy one fifty eight, led by Nate Watson. So obviously the Friars did not win. They almost lost by as many as I thought they were gonna win by. And I said that Nate would lead the way. Nate had four points and three rebounds. Not quite leading the way. Nope. But he was on the board. He was, but... Uh, so my prediction, uh, I had Friars winning the game 82-73. And David Duke being the standout player. So how did David do last night? He he didn't play that bad. Uh, he had 12 points. All right, all right. Two rebounds, two assists. Um, but but I, I think we can both safely say... We were wrong. <laughs> we, we were pretty far off. Um, the Friars losing that game, eighty to sixty-nine. So I think I can maybe put like half a point in my quarter. I think so. Just flip flop yeah. it. I'm yep. a little close. I mean, at least I'm, I'm getting. I might be negative points. Yeah. Wow. But, but no, you weren't that far off. And David played decent yeah. for you. Alpha though. I mean, shout out to Alpha Diallo. Great game for him. Even though the Friars lost, you'd like to look at it as a yeah. step in the right direction for him, and hopefully he can continue to play uh, this Saturday at 8 against Seton yeah, Hall, which is going to be, I mean, the dunk is going to be absolutely packed. It's it's their pink-out game, so it's going to be looking pretty cool, I think. You I know, think sea of pink be, shirts. Yeah. We have the, the pink uh, color on the uniforms, mm-hmm. which doesn't have anything to do with the game, just, you know, something cool. But, I mean, the Seton Hall team, best team in – uh, the mm-hmm. division by yeah. far the number ten ranked team, and unless unless that changed from last still night, 10. still number ten. Yeah. So number ten ranked team in the country. I mean, it's by no means going to be an easy game. Uh, Nova, w- when we played them, what were they ranked? Do you remember? They were in the teens. They were in the, in the teens, teens. Uh, like high low. I think it was like seventeen. All right, so I mean, Nova the. <laughs> One of the other best teams in the division. We we held our own against them. So, you, but I mean, Seton Hall is just. I mean, they're on another level. Yeah, they have the best player in the, in oh, the country. Not by, even just by, in the oh, conference. By, in the country. Like I don't even right. think it's a question. I 100 yeah. percent agree with that. Yes, uh, Miles Powell. He's the best scorer in the country, and uh, it's. I don't know who. I don't know what we're gonna play on the defensive end. I don't know who we're gonna put on him. Yeah. Um, That's definitely gonna be the tough player to guard. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, uh, we do. The Friars do take pride in their defense. We've always have good uh, rebound numbers. So, yes. I mean, uh, we. Just, I think, in my opinion, I, I don't. I'm no basketball coach by any means, but I would say, heavy defensive strategy against Seton Hall is what we need. 
Yeah, I would say I, it, it's so hard to, to guess what they're going to do because, I mean, so when we flag them, we, we already flag them once this year down at Seton Hall. And uh, their, big, their big guy actually oh, at the game. He had a big. great game. It felt we were like watching that. We were watching else. that game together. And Miles Powell kind of went, not quiet, but. Yeah, he, it, was it was almost like he didn't need to do anything. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. They're really deep. I don't think we could play them zone because they have so many guys who could just shoot it. Right. So I think we and match up and they're they're bigger than us by yeah by a lot. Like by we're lot. we're we're one of the smaller teams in the Big East. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens. It's it's not going to be easy come uh, come Saturday, but the dunk will be rocking. Oh, so we always have that. We always have at least one point in our corner with that dunk, yep. especially in big games. It's always packed. Always rocking when they hit a three or dunk or anything special the the crowd goes nuts and you know that fires coolie up it fires all the players up so we have that in our advantage but obviously i mean there's no sugarcoating it this is going to be an extremely hard game but that that being said you still got to show up and we're still going to be rooting for our friars and you know i got some faith in them even i mean is it possible we pull off the win oh yeah anything's possible at the dunk baby for sure exactly so We'll see. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we bring it on Saturday. Oh yeah. So, you know, that's that wrap it up for our Friars talk. Do we want to dare make a prediction, or we just think Let's we're gonna do it? Jinx? Let's do you it. You want to? All right. All right. I mean, you go first. You go first. Me first. Yeah. I mean, PC Radio. We, we gotta we gotta stick with the Friars. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Um. I think we're gonna have a high scoring game. Okay. I th- I think this is a game you wanna you're definitely gonna wanna take the over in. Um let's see. What was the score of our last game? Like that with against them seventy something to six eighty no, sorry. It was I think it was it we they were in the seventies, you're in the yeah. seventy three sixty four. Seventy three sixty four. Alright. I, I think I think Seton Hall is gonna get up to they're definitely gonna be in the eighty point range in my opinion. Uh, let's go. Uh, this could be way off here. Let's go, <laughs> let's go 85. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. The Friars. The Friars are going to Friars going to be up. Yeah. So the Friars are going to, it's going to be a close game. Friars, no, not quite 80 points, but it's going to be up there. Let's go 70, 75 to 72 Friars. Okay. So we win the tight one. That would be fun. Yeah. And then let's go. Uh, outstanding player. Give me Pip. I, I do like that. I do Give like Pip. that. He's he's streaky, but we'll see. It could be it could be his day. I'm gonna go. Do I have to pick the fries? I mean <laughs> I mean you don't have to. If we're going with predictions, you don't have to. Exactly. But I mean Alright. You know what? There's gonna be something special that happens in Friday Town. On Saturday, I'm gonna go Providence, 67, Seton Hall, 62. Most outstanding player. I'm gonna go with AJ Reeves. I like it. I love it. So Friday's by five. AJ, we both. What did you have? 76 to 72, and you were. Right. So I got Ferraris by five. You got a. Uh, you got them by four, and a little more high scoring. Game. All right. And you, what was your score again? 
62. All right, all right. And then, of course, A.J. Reeves is always a great pick. Yes. So, all right. I like those picks. I don't know how realistic they are, but, you know, <laughs> if the Friars are going to come out on top, I think either of those are a pretty yeah, good I do agree. Guess. I mean, we're, not, we're definitely not going to beat them up. It's gonna be a it's gonna no. be a tough one. That's oh yeah, grand for day. sure. But yeah, all right. That's, I need that's I, the Friars talk for the day. What do we got? Next? Anything else you want to say real quick about the Friars or? Not much. No? Just figure it out, boys. Oh, <laughs> and I I think they will. If I mean, it, it kind of needs to be next game. But if it's not next game, definitely within the next two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we they always bounce back. That is true. We we have the best leader. Un- in the unfortunately, in Coach Cooley. Sometimes it's not consistent, but they always mm-hmm. bounce back. You are right. You are right. All right. So, let's move on then. Next up, we got some talk. This is some interesting stuff, especially for a big baseball guy like me. Uh, it has a lot of players up in arms, and a lot of fans either love it, hate it, indifferent, maybe neutral. Um, what I'm talking about is the new MLB postseason proposal. Now, this is something when the report first came out, something that's extremely hard to follow. Uh, now, more reports have come out, some by The Athletic, uh, still Bleacher Report, ESPN, all that. They all have it. But basically, uh, we're expanding postseason play here. So at first glance, you know, expanding postseason play doesn't sound all that bad. The idea of this is to try and grow the game and get more fans to watch which is always a good idea in MLB's eyes. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way when you translate the ideas to pen and paper. But, I think it's all about the money. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> all about the money. It, it, it's like, it, yeah, but I, I think when you say it's all about the money, are you talking about uh, revenue for MLB or for the teams? MLB. All right, I, that's where I think you're wrong. You think, you think it's the teams? I do. I mean, of course, more teams would, you know, you get the ratings up, theoretically, the MLB is going to get more money. But what that's not really a definite. What is a definite is each team that makes the playoffs gets a postseason bonus. Right. So what this, in some people's eyes, and pretty realistic, I think, is it gives the lower teams, you know, the teams that wouldn't normally get in, maybe don't. A lot of those teams, maybe like the Tampa Bay Rays or the the Minnesota Twins, they don't have the highest payroll. Now the Twins are a little up there, but not not the highest by any means. It gives them a little extra cash yeah. in their pocket. But so let's get into the the proposal. Um, basically, what I took out of it, and I think I have a, a pretty all right understanding about it. Right now, there's seven teams that make the playoffs. If I'm, I think that's right. Seven. No, no, there's more than seven. You got the three, three divisions in each league, so that's six, and then two wild cards from each. So, right, and then so ten. Ten teams ten. make the playoffs. Um, this would make it into fourteen teams making the playoffs, which is forty percent, forty-seven percent of the league rounded up to fifty. Basically, fifty percent of the teams are making the playoffs with this proposal, which I'm not a huge fan of. It kind of makes that into like a hockey playoff makes them really drag out, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for some fans, but I, I don't like that, especially in baseball with so many games played, you're going to have teams barely over a 500 record making the postseason, and, and it's either not going to be competitive or it's just going to be dragged out, in my opinion. But so 
now now this after the expansion of teams, you know, expanding one or two teams, you know, I can understand, but 14 I 14 teams I definitely don't like. Um this is where it gets really interesting. The, the team with the the best record in each league, the National League and the American League. So there'd obviously be the division winner and then out of the division winners, the the team with the the best overall record gets to pick no, no, no. Sorry, they get they get a buy and automatically advance to the division series. So that's normal. Uh, but then the other division, the second, the team with the second overall best record, gets to pick their opponent out of the other remaining teams. Okay, that's kind of interesting. And and uh, they would be picking this on like a reality TV show type of thing. So a little more money, but. There's nothing so, wrong with well, that. Well, so yeah, that's where I think the fan experience would be really cool. Right. But it's kind of strange. You get to pick your the weaker opponent. Yeah, or whoever you match up better against. Right. But I don't know. I personally, I don't, I don't hate the idea at all. I I actually sort of like it. Um, I think that I don't think fourteen teams is outrageous. Um, the NBA has sixteen. The NHL has, I think, I think they both have sixteen. Um, the the NFL is the only the NFL still is ten. Right. The MLB, um, but that's only because you, you can only play so many games in the NFL. It's a lot more of a so, demanding sport. So let me let me tell you why I don't like the fourteen teams. Okay. So a huge part of baseball, and if you watch baseball, the, one of the most exciting times of year is that trade deadline in the middle of the season Mm -hmm. and basically the teams decide at that point in the season if they think they have a real shot at the playoffs or not so now there's so many teams that can make it with this proposed rule change um that it's almost like oh we're gonna make it we don't have to trade make this trade or you know, like there's gonna, there's not going to be as many deals at the deadline. There's not going to be as many trades going around, which you know could be good or bad depending how you look on look at it. But no one's going to be motivated to make these deals, which is arguably one of the most watched um, watched times in the baseball. You know, there's rumors flying around. Yeah. There's trades happening left and right. Kind of kind of like the NBA trade deadline, where you know crazy things can happen. It, it more. Not so much recently as it happened, but it always has the chance to. Now, these teams that, you know, normally wouldn't even dream about making the playoffs, they have that chance. They're not going to, they're going to be making uh, the moves to make their team better, which is good for them. But basically what's going to happen is these these bottom feeder teams are just going to be, they're not going to be willing to make, to get rid of their players and get new prospects because, oh, we're only two (laughs) wins away from being on that playoff. Yeah. So that it's going to take away the trade deadline. It's going to make it in my opinion less competitive because I mean the, there's 80 no one there's been so few teams that have won like 85 games and won the World Series. It just it doesn't work like that. You know, it's I pretty do, Yeah, I know. I do know what you mean there. Um I don't know. I think that I think that what the MLB, the be, the best part of the MLB, is October is the playoffs. There's oh, no other way. Right. To, that's when the casual fan like myself mm-hmm. says, uh, "Like I'm gonna start instead of following the league, like I'll follow the Red Sox. 
I'm going to start watching the league. Watch the games. Right. So I think that they just they get to capture an extra week and a half, two weeks of that. That's, that of, is a good point. That is a good point. someone like myself or someone if there's a there's a lot of people who are a younger version of me who I would right. say who that's that's the people who when you say grow the game is like you know what I mean yeah which I think that they could capture which that I think that this would help help build that a little bit in my opinion so so um uh let me ask you this then uh sorry just lost completely lost my train of thought but I'll get right back there um oh okay so you you're saying you know now the casual baseball fan but you still watch the postseason, right? Now, exactly. let me ask you, what's your team to root for? Red Sox. Red Sox. Were the Red Sox in the postseason last year? Were they? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, they no, weren't. They no, weren't. No, no they, they weren't. weren't. No, they no. weren't. Did you still watch it? No, I watched it when uh, when they got really down to the World Series. Right, which is when most casual fans tend to. All right, yeah, I guess so. so because if my team's not in it, but it, the Red Sox would have been in it last year had they had 14, correct? I feel like they missed it by the Most team. likely, yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say yes. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, you say, like, you're a casual baseball fan. I say you're on, like, the lower lower end yes, of that I totem so. pole. I guess so. I, I think the most casual baseball fans are still tuning in for the wildcard game, which, honestly, wildcard baseball... Some of the most entertaining baseball there is. I do agree. The just just the gra- when they throw up like the graphic of the like the wild oh, card of the yeah. postseason logo, it's, it's, it's done, awesome. It hits a little different. So I don't think adding like this the the home team is gonna is gonna change the like more people viewing it. The people that view the postseason are still gonna view the postseason. Maybe you get a couple extra fans watching it. Well, you'll get four extra fan bases. That's for sure. Yeah, but if you're <laughs> it, okay, so if if you're, there's not gonna, it's not gonna add any new people watching baseball. If you're a fan of your team and you're watching the games, like let's say like seventy percent of them, you're you're love you're watching those games because you like baseball. You don't watch all those games just because oh that's in my hometown. I root for them. If you love if you love baseball that much and you're watching that many games, you're not gonna just turn it off in the postseason just because your team's not in it. Arguably, when the game gets most exciting, you're gonna have it on more. Yeah. So I don't think adding these teams is necessarily going to, to change the, how many people watch the postseason. I, it could, but I really don't think it is. I I really just am not a huge fan of this idea. And the, for example, Trevor Bauer uh, of the Cincinnati Reds right now, he was outraged. Uh, he he took to Twitter. Himself. He is a hothead, but he, <laughs> he he has some good takes let, though. Let me see what he. Has All right, to say. he said. This was a tweet, by the way. No idea who made this new playoff format proposal, but Rob is responsible for release, re- releasing this, as in Rob Manfred, the commissioner yeah. of the league. So I'll direct this to you, Rob Manfred. Your proposal is absurd for too many reasons to type on Twitter and proves you have absolutely no clue about baseball. You're a joke. And then he actually released uh, about like a two-minute video on his Twitter and his YouTube page, which he might have gone more in depth on YouTube. YouTube. But basically explaining why, not necessarily directed at this, but it was it was because of this. He basically was explaining they're going about this the whole wrong way. That they need to be getting fans not by expanding the postseason, but but just allowing players to express themselves, which has been a common theme in so many things. You know, like let them wear the cleats, all that. Same similar to the NFL, but MLB is way more strict about it. Um, he then went on to say, you know, like. 
the, you need to allow them to use the content, which I completely agree with. Yeah, I know, I know, I know we've talked yeah. about it. You know, the only, you know, NBA, Steph Curry makes a three point shot. You see it on every Instagram, every Twitter yeah. page, all the highlights. The only place you see MLB highlights is like TV or it's, the MLB account. Like or literally the, it's, Steph Curry makes a simple bounce pass and I watch it eight times on Twitter. Right. Mike Trout jumps over the wall, robs a home run, and I like to see maybe a highlight of it. And if I'm lucky, that was actually exactly what Trevor Bauer said in the video. Did he? He did. Yeah. Wow. It, which is it is, it's it's kind of like, it, right. I don't even know I what mean, to say. You, I don't know why you they, see the the NBA highlight for like what like a week maybe if it's a great play. <laughs> Like yeah, all exactly. throughout social media, yeah. you you see you see uh, a fantastic play like a Mike Trout, Mike Trout robbing a home run or someone hitting like a four hundred fifty foot home run. You see that it, only if you follow the MLB account or a baseball related account that's kind of like under the profile that doesn't get flagged by the MLB. They they restrict all their content, which you know it, it gets revenue for them. You you get the fans to pay for it or or just watch it all in one condensed area. But at the end of the day, that's not a good marketing strategy and it's not going to grow the game, which is what, what MLB is striving to do so much with all these rule changes, not only with this new postseason proposal, but with every rule change they try, you know, speed up the game in order to yeah. grow it, I think it's absurd. I know a lot of other fans do. If, if you really want to grow the game, just let, just let other media outlets post whatever they want. Yeah, no, speaking, I just, Quickly, I just want to hit on the speeding up of the game. Mm-hmm. So initially, um, initially I, I was like, yeah, of course it needs to speed up. It's it takes forever. But then I looked at the numbers. It's not no. that bad. I, okay, compared so, to other sports, right? It's right out. The, the only thing is, there's a lot of dead time, but you can only get rid of so much dead time. But like, you know what I mean? You can't really eliminate no. it. The the so yes, there was the longest game run times ever recorded last season it was like just over it just under about like like maybe two hours 45 minutes something like that just under three hours something like that but i mean you look at football i mean so it's you're, one o'clock to four o'clock yeah three hours but but you don't what's different is you don't really need to be like paying attention i guess mm-hmm. to football because you know when something's happening, you you hear it and everything. Right. And, like, it's just like, you know, and everyone loves to watch football. It's like, you know, America's sport exactly. and you everything. Got, you got your fantasy teams. And so, at NBA, there's always action. But football, even, like, everyone's saying football moves so fast. If you really sit down and watch it, it doesn't. As, as Mark Cuban, we were listening to Mark Cuban. He said only 12 minutes of an NFL game right. is actual. Right playing like play yeah. time you know what i mean like everything is just like little one or two yard uh gains and then for like you just said that like 12 minutes that you watch something big happens there's nothing like crazy that happens every single second of a football game but yet people still watch it so i don't understand the argument to speed up the game you just have to if you don't like watching baseball because you think it's too long what you're really saying is you just don't think there's a lot of action right and and the people who think that are just people who don't know baseball because if you truly do love baseball or you even just a casual fan there's something you can focus on every second of the game whether it's how i mean this is going to sound like boring for people who don't like baseball but whether it's how the infielders are set up um where the catcher's setting up 
in his position. You can see what pitch sequence is, yeah. all that. But it's just there's strategy in every single second of baseball. And if you focus on that, it kind of becomes more interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, I I do agree that 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 that's definitely not, that's not the way to to change to to grow the game. That's, that's, no. that's not a real, real change. I, th- I think it's almost it's almost hypocritical with what. MLB is almost hypocritical. They have, I don't know if you've seen it, the Let the, let the Kids Play movement mm-hmm. commercial. Mm-hmm. They say let the kids play with all the these group games, young stars. And they what they mean by that is, you know, let them bat flip and celebrate. You see it in the commercial. But let the kids play. Also, let the kids express themselves. Let them have fun. Don't like let people see that, too. That's, that's what needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you. I think it's a great time to take a quick little break. Welcome back. You're listening to... Behind the Dish on WDOM 91.3 with Robbie Cannon and Ben Bilotti. We're back. How you doing, folks? We're going to jump right into some Astros talk. Could, could get a little dicey. Really, for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So basically, for those of you who don't know, I think you had to be living under a rock, even if you're not a baseball <laughs> fan, if you don't know. But the Astros have been accused and confirmed that they were sign-stealing illegally. Let me add that sign-stealing is legal in the MLB if done the correct way, but they were doing it illegally with electronics. Um, so we'll get into like the old report a little bit later, but right now there's been new details that have emerged. So I guess we kind of have to mention it first a little bit, but basically originally it was uh, every all the blame was on the Red Sox former manager, unfortunately, Alex Cora, and they said he was the mastermind behind all of it. Basically, they were using uh, a video, a, a TV, and a camera in the outfield to focus in on the catcher signs, and then then they would go into the clubhouse or to the tunnel leading to the clubhouse, look at those signs, and then re- relay them using a trash can or other series of noises or reported buzzers maybe whatever but so the original report blamed Alex Cora and said the front office had nothing to do about it they were basically just punished because they knew about it but they didn't do anything to stop it so there's a new report came out from the Wall Street Journal this is where it gets extremely interesting Um, it, it turns out that a while back before the 2017 season it was low-level employees in the front office that actually decided, hey, we're going to do this sign-stealing thing. So um, I, I'm going to butcher the names, but uh, Derek Vigo and Tom Coach Wesser, uh, Astros Director of Team Operations and Director of Advanced Informations, created this program, an Excel-based program that aided in decoding signs. Sign sequences from catchers were input into the program, and then this uh, – this program, which they they deemed the name Codebreaker, would spit out the results. So they would put in, you know, the catcher goes through a sequence of signs. He puts down, you know, one, two, three, wiggle, all that. He put down three signs. They put it into the program, and then it would calculate it, and they'd spit out changeup. So they developed that, and they talked about it with the general manager, uh, Jeff Lee Now whose report went on the record saying he knew nothing about it. If he did, he would have done something to stop it. Um, He blamed the bench coach, didn't even name Alex Cora by name. So basically, yes, Alex Cora was still involved, but he was not the mastermind. It was these two front office guys. This is confirmed. Um, So it it kind of raises the question, did Alex Cora get 
or he hasn't been punished yet, but is he going to get too much of a punishment? Did the Red Sox fire him too soon? Uh, I don't, personally, I don't, I don't think so. Look, he, he, he was a part of it. There's, there's no other okay. way to put it. He was a part of it, but he wasn't as big of a part of it as they thought. And, you know, this investigation with the Red Sox is still going on. Arguably, he didn't do any cheating with the Red Sox. Most likely he didn't. Why the Red Sox fire him with something that everyone on the whole Astros staff, the whole, all the players, they knew about it. Why did they, why is he the only one, well, not the only one, but why is he getting punished for that? Well, I you know, I can understand of, why, but no, I mean, right. between, between he, so if, if you're, if you're ranking the, we'll say authority levels of the right. Astro coaching staff at that time, you're looking at Hinch, Hinch one mm-hmm. and his, his core is second in line. Yeah. He's the bench coach. So, okay. Well, based on coaches, that's how it goes. Uh, the the general manager and all that would probably right. rank above them. But based on who the players listen to day in and day out, it goes A.J. Hinch, the manager, bench coach at the time, Alex Cora. Right. And then goes coaches listed, so on and so on. You have a ton of coaches. And so this is something that th- it, it would have gone through him before it before they started banging on trash cans and players knew what, what each bang meant, correct? Uh, Meaning like... He would be the one relaying them. No, he wasn't relaying. Or, them, but he he knew exact if if he heard two bangs, he knew that it was that they were telling the that or there's a changeup coming. Correct. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. So I I I I feel like yeah. I mean, I, I will see what the punishment. No, is. no, I don't think don't, that get the me, Astros don't get me wrong. Too much. So I mean, I you think, think they got punished too much. I did, I do, and All I right, think gonna, he's gonna get punished. We're gonna too much we're gonna too. jump right into that real quick. But yeah, Alex Cora definitely had a part in it. He he was one of the people who like would help do it. But I mean, he was not the mastermind of it. He didn't come up with it. He was just going along with whatever someone told him to do. And so even more new t- details that emerged really quick. Carlos Beltran, who was a forty-year-old player in the 20th year of his career on the Astros at the time. So, you know, he would walk into the clubhouse and they'd be, oh, Mr. Beltron, how could I help you? Mr. Beltron, you're so great. All that. He was actually one of the people who decided we're going to do this once he heard about it. He, he came in reportedly and said the Astros science dealing methods were behind the time. Mm-hmm. So he helped them okay. vamp it up. Um, he was persistent about it. It's been put on the record, who knows if it's true or not, by a bunch, bunch of players. Um, other former Astros player and veteran, one of the more respected players on the team, Brian McCann, catcher, uh, went up to Beltron multiple times asking him, you know, dude, come on, you got to stop this. And yeah. he just didn't listen. AJ Hinch quoted saying he felt powerless um, when he tried to confront Carlos Beltron. So this, it's a 20-year probably maybe not anymore but supposed to be future hall of famer that everyone looks up to and respects they just do whatever he says because they don't want to disrespect the guy so he that his parting ways with the mets is definitely warranted his his hall of fame legacy is probably tarnished now um yeah i mean so just to add on to that yeah i think i don't i personally i don't think that that this is like the end of the world the worst cheating possible to me, it's on the same level as like 
I don't know, the pine tar that was being cheated with you, oh, two years ago. No, no, no. I, that, that's to me, I feel like they're stealing, they're taking signs. You throw throw a good pitch if they know what it's coming. I, to right, me, that, that's and, a, every, and to me, the Astros aren't the only team doing it. Oh, no, they got no. They're, they're not the only team stealing signs, but I mean, I'm sure there's other teams out there, but they were the first teams to reportedly to do it. They It doesn't matter that they were stealing signs. Everyone tries to look at the catcher signs from like the third right, base right, coach right. or the first base coach, and you rely, relay it to the guy on second, yeah. and they're the ones that tell the batter. This was completely different because um, after starting in 2018, and or maybe starting in 2017, I don't know, 17 or 18, the rules were you cannot use uh, video equipment in order to steal science. That's where this gets fuzzy because they literally had a camera in the outfield pointing in. And if they were simply just, you know, looking with the, the eye test and then relaying it, there'd be no problem. This is the, like, no, right. they went completely out of their way to do it, deliberately cheating. I still don't think that they're the only team who's, who's, no. who's not only stealing signs, but doing it. Illegally. Oh, no. Th- they might be the only team that had a, uh, a camera pointed directly at you know the catcher's crotch, but um, but other teams 100% use the video room to decode signs, um, which MLB is going to be cracking down on way more. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely not the only team. So you said you think the punishments were too harsh for them. So let's revisit those punishments. Um, the Astros lost their first and second round picks for the 20 this year's draft and next year's draft. So four draft picks. A five million dollar fine, which many people thought should be higher, but um, was that the phone ringing? Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. Oh, did your laptop? Yeah. All right. Made a little Thanks a lot, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, a five million dollar fine, which people thought it would be higher, but the reason it's five million dollars is because that's what MLB caps it out at. It can't go higher than that. Um, then a one year suspension for both the manager and general manager, and. Uh, yeah, that's that's the punishments. So you think the punishments are too harsh? Yeah. So well, first off, the five million dollar fine—that's not a big deal. No, that's, that's no, that's, it's nothing. Nothing. But you just took away their four best—the four best picks that they have, essentially. Yeah. yeah. That to me, that's outrageous, especially what a what a MLB prospect is worth, as we just saw in the Mookie deal. Mm-hmm. You can you can get the second best player in the league for a couple prospects, so to me it was, I don't know that's that's a lot. I know I know you. It's almost like you got to set a present like a oh this this can't happen again. Yeah, so you, you, you have to set you have to set a precedent, and also, I mean, I don't know how much you've looked into it, but so many players have outspoken about how much they disapprove of this. How even a, a ton of players feel like the punishment should be harsher. Um, a lot of people want players to be involved in the punishment and have them taken out of it. CC Sabathia and a bunch of other Yankees players and even other players just on other teams have said that they felt the Yankees were cheated out of winning the World Series because of it. Um, there's been one player, uh, Freddie Freeman on the Braves, his, his buddy was a minor league player for the Blue Jays or something like that. He got promoted. He played his first game ever against the Astros. He got absolutely shelled, seven earned runs or something like that, got demoted and never even came close to reaching the league again. He's actually, this is interesting, he's suing the league saying he got cheated out of it. So players are outraged um, with, in my opinion, good reason. I think some of them are taking it a little too far. Uh, 
like, come on, suing the league, like, yeah, they might have known what pitch is coming, but if you are that bad, you just don't have the stuff to be in the MLB. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think the punishment is too harsh at all. I, I just don't think... I mean, at first, at first glance, I thought like it was pretty crazy. But then, after these new details have come out and the severity of how they were cheating, I I completely agree with it, honestly. So where where do you rank this this cheating scandal among the significance within recent history? Because it's it's I I think it's it's nowhere near the PEDs, correct? Or do you think it's it is? I think it is. I mean, the PEDs, everyone was doing it in the steroid ever. I mean, the league just, like, didn't even care. They they looked at it were like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> but all right. And then it, the, that wasn't even an issue until uh, the report came out, the biogenics, all that, yep. that great stuff, <laughs> where there was a list of long players. That's really when that started to become an issue. Everyone in the league was juicing, and if you weren't, you were good enough not to be. So, <laughs> I mean, or even the players like Barry Bonds and all that, they, they just got that much better. But so, I mean, yeah, I, I think that obviously that, yes, that is cheating. I do, I completely am against the use of PEDs for players, even if everyone's doing it. But I think this is probably about even with that. Okay. I mean, if you know what pitch is coming absolutely every single time, that's, that's a, a complete advantage to you. And if you're, getting that information in an illegal way yeah that's cheating and i mean you look at the numbers at first i was a little skeptical about it but they were doing this away using this program code breaker so the home and road splits don't even really matter because they were still using even if they weren't using the video room they were still using this program to decode the signs and get the pitches relay them so i mean who knows for how long they've actually been doing this yeah but, I mean, do I think it's like the Black Sox where they're betting on their own team? Not not quite up there. A lot of people are saying it's worse than the Black Sox. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's definitely severe, and I, I definitely think it's up there. If Because of the day and age we live in, it's going to go down as the biggest scandal in baseball. Okay, so then do you think that the players should be punished? Um, I, I think... If like Carlos Beltran was still a player, someone like him definitely deserves to be punished. The, one of the masterminds behind it. But everyone else was. I mean, how often are you gonna take take baseball out of it? If a person of much higher authority than you, the, your boss, that your boss's boss, if they're the, telling you to do something for your job, even if it's like a little unmoral, you're probably gonna do it. Because yep. you don't want to lose your job or you don't want right. to not contribute to your job. So, I mean, these guys really didn't have much say. Even if they completely disagreed and they voiced their opinions, the Astros were not going to stop. So you either <coughs> you either go along with it or you just deal with or, – or, or you, like, don't play you or you get disgraced by the team. I don't know. but. Yep. There, no one's really going to go against the Astros, so I don't think it's fair to punish the players. A lot of people think they should because, you know, they think they were heavily involved in it. But if the front office is telling you it's not as bad as it actually is and it's going to help you get better, you're, you're probably going to do it. Yep. Do you think that they should take away the World Series title? No. I, okay. No. Glad. All right. Glad you're on the same page there. I, I think no matter what, 
this team was good enough to win the World Series. I mean, what, what's so upsetting about this whole thing is the Astros were one of the top, if not the top teams in baseball. They basically cheated just because they could. They had no reason to. They had a fair shot of making it to the World Series and probably winning the World Series without knowing what pitch is coming 100% of the time. Yeah. So that's my take on it. <laughs> Def- definitely a story full of uh, full of controversy. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's going to be more reports to come out, more rumors. The Red Sox report is going to come out, which I don't think really is going to be anything. Not even just saying that as a Red Sox fan. They were supposed to have the report done by the spring training it's now going to go throughout spring training so i don't think they're just really digging just because they were so confident the red sox cheated i, I don't think you think they look they're looking deep for something right now oh 100 hmm. percent. they're definitely looking because the red sox have been linked to cheating multiple times and they just want to like, pack up what they've been saying but were the red sox cheating probably everyone was cheating but I don't think it was as severe as the league thinks it was. Yeah. Real quick, on the topic of the Red Sox, Ron Renneke officially named as interim manager for the Red Sox. So this interim tag is basically because this investigation has not been put public yet. They don't want to make him full-time manager in case he's linked to cheating or something like that. But so interesting about Ron Renneke, I actually heard this from starting nine, uh, from Jared Kravis, who has a lot of inside sources within the Red Sox. He, extremely close to Alex Cora and everyone on pretty much the whole team. Uh, he said, and it, this hasn't been reported yet except for him, Ron Renneke was scheduled to retire. You know, he's an older guy in his 70s. Um, he was going to retire, and then Alex Cora got fired, and he was like, well, if you need someone, I'll step up and do it for mm-hmm. a year. So he's either going to be the interim manager because he's only planning it on – doing it for a year and obviously like I said is linked to the investigation but he doesn't really he's not planning to he wasn't planning to be the manager he's doing us a favor by doing this yeah so that's pretty interesting in my opinion yeah we talked last show about how uh how we we both thought it was actually a decent decent move by the Red Sox oh, in the he, position that they're and in. we didn't mention this last show he won manager of the year oh did he he did so completely qualified candidate. I, yep. I have complete faith that he would do an amazing job with the team. It's just, you know, he doesn't exactly want to be here right now. I He's see. doing us a favor. So, but, <laughs> He'd but, rather be in retirement right. than in Florida. So, but honestly, since this report has been delayed, I think there is a much, much, much stronger possibility that Alex Cora is going to return after how long his punishment, his suspension, if he even gets suspended, which I'm pretty sure he will, um, will be. I think there's a very high chance that he returns to Red Sox as a manager. Hmm. Uh, I know that would make make you happy. Speaking of returning to Boston, um, I don't know if you saw the quotes. Mookie Betts, in my eyes, 95% coming back. <laughs> so in his press conference with the Dodgers, they introduced David Price and Mookie Betts yesterday, I believe. Yep. Um, he was asked about returning to Red Sox and free agency, and he was quoted with you know what he's been saying this entire time. I love Boston. Love the fans, blah, 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 all of that. And then he said, I really just, you know, it's all business and I just have to focus on 2020. And then he was asked about um, his thoughts on Red Sox Nation and how much they missed him. And he literally said the same exact thing. I love I love Boston. So basically, in my eyes and pretty much every Boston fan and even non-Boston fans, what that translates to is I absolutely love Boston. I wanted to be there. They just didn't pay me enough money. I'm just going to play out this 2020 season with the Dodgers, most likely leave, and hopefully, if they offer me money, yeah, I'm coming back. 
Will, I mean, his walk-up song was I Love My City. Will we offer him the money? I hope so. Because They'd be <laughs> stupid not to. We cleared all this payroll for the reason of having money to spend. Why not spend it on the second best player in baseball? That's a good question. But didn't we have the chance to already do that? We could have already paid him, correct? Oh, we 100% could have already paid him. It's, you know, the Red Sox wanted to stand under the luxury tax threshold, but... I mean, do I really care about that? No, you have one of the richest <laughs> owner groups in baseball. Um, you own, they own Liverpool, the soccer team. You know how much revenue that generates for them? The Yankees don't own a soccer team. They own Nesson, the, the, the whole TV thing. They own the Boston Globe. They have money coming in from absolutely every direction. The luxury tax, yeah, it stinks. And the main reason I think they wanted to do it was uh, get under it was because of, you know, the draft picks they lose and everything. So I understand getting under the luxury tax, but we should have, I 100% think we just should have gave Mookie all the money he wanted. Yeah, pretty good. That was a lot. That was, that was a lot taken. We'll yeah, see the Astros. Was. I mean, the Astros, we've been waiting. We didn't talk about them Tuesday, did we? No, we didn't. No, we've, been wait, we've been holding off on them since we, uh, since we got back. But... What else do we have? What else is coming up? Um, well, more Astros news. Uh, we do you want to do you want to go? You want to hear a little something about the Red Sox or a little something about Astros? More on the positive note. Let's go. Let's go. Give me some positive Astros. All right, they deserve it. So the Astros, while we were away over break, or not over break, but we were back here, but just as we didn't have the show, the Astros have hired a manager, Dusty Baker. And a lot of people don't like Dusty Baker. They think he's old school. They don't. They give him a lot of, you know, a lot of crap for not winning it with when he was the manager of the Giants. Well, the Giants team he had was not that good. He got them to the postseason because of how good of a manager he is. I personally think this is a great move for the Astros. At first, I didn't, but I've come around on it. He's a good manager. He's a likable guy. Uh, a lot of people think so. He's just gonna bring back, you know, this. He's gonna be the manager who has the door open has come in whenever you want, stuff like that. He's going to bring back discipline to the Astros. It's just, it's a positive move for them. Just hiring a manager in general is a positive move, but hiring a guy like this is a really good move for them. He's a successful manager. He's one of the top 10 most winning managers of all time, I believe, and not top 10. He's really close up there, top 15 or something like that. So he's a proven good manager. He willingly came out of retirement to, for this opportunity, so he's eager to be back. So... It's a great pickup for the Astros and something just, you know, on the little on the more positive note. Yeah, I mean, we uh we talked about it. I think uh I didn't think it was a bad hire. Um he's he's up there in age, so I mean, obviously, yeah, they'll, they'll be looking down the market again in a couple of years, but Oh yeah. I don't I really I mean, with a team ready to win, you you want a coach who is also like you said, they still have what the one of the best teams in the league. Arguably, um, yeah. I I think so. A yeah, lot of so. people are going to be like, oh, they cheated, so they don't have the best team in the league. They, they still have one of the most talented and most uh, proven teams in baseball. I don't care if you know what pitch is coming every time. I mean, yeah, I do care, but I, I really don't because you still have to hit it. Right, exactly. And the pitchers were still that good. They didn't have any uh, cheating scandals reported yet. <laughs> 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 so they're still one of the best teams. I, I don't. I, I think this is a really good move for them, and I'm I'm happy that some positive news before the new details came out was coming out for the Astros. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, all they want to do is play baseball. A lot of the Astros players are starting to come forward and realize their mistakes. 
Uh, they're going to issue an apology sometime in spring training, it's been reported. So a lot of guys regret their actions or even didn't want to be a part of it in the first place. So they really just want to be looking at playing baseball again. Yeah. And it's going to be a tough season. They're going to have a targets on their back the entire season. You know, let's let's go let's play let's do this right now. Over under uh how many times the Astros players get thrown at in the season. Over under uh 20. 20. Uh, so that would be well, I don't think any team's going to throw at them twice. Right. I mean, unless there's an, a different issue, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna say the under. Under. Say the under. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under too. I'm yeah. gonna take the under. What What is What do you think a more realistic thing is like maybe like ten times they got thrown out? Maybe eight, five, ten. I think it's gonna be double digits. I think. You think so? But yeah, I'm gonna say twelve. 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 All right. I'll remember that. What do you think? <laughs> um, eight. I think eight. I, the only reason I think twelve is because I think they get they get like six teams who throw at them for the cheating, and right. then but then you you just naturally throughout the season you're gonna have some something that comes up. Yeah, it, it always happens. We'll see. That's true. I think it's gonna be on the lower end. We're not eight's not a, that's a lot of times to be thrown at for one controversy, but um, I think it's gonna be around that because you know a lot of these teams are gonna be hypocritical if they throw at them because they were cheating too good point you are right. exactly <laughs> it just hasn't come out yet but there's there and probably won't because this has been such a big thing but there's been so many teams that have been yeah. cheated you are right all right but, all right let, all right let's uh let's take a quick break yeah. uh you've been listening to wdom 91.3 pc radio We'll be right back. Uh, Rob, I you, might not be. Rob, we'll see. Rob's I got a yeah, big, I, big test to study huge for. Huge test. So, uh, so I think it's just going to be Ben the rest of the way. But he's he's got a lot more baseball. I think you get a lot of baseball news to get. A lot of baseball. Uh, some talk about Tom Brady, maybe if we have time for okay. it. Um, yeah, we got we got a lot of things to cover. So uh, you're listening to WDM 91.3 PC Radio. We will be right back. You're listening to WDM 91.3 PC Radio. Welcome back to Behind the Dish. It is just me now, Ben Bilotti. Uh I am your host, and let's dive right back in. Okay, so we left off talking about the Astros and their cheating. So let's pick up with some more baseball news. Um, so we have, we talked about the Red Sox. Here is an interesting topic. The reported DH coming to the National League as soon as next year, 2021. This is something that I wanted to happen for such a long time. How does this impact the game, you ask? Well, in my opinion, it impacts it in a great way. Um, it's something that needed to be happened for a long time, in my opinion. I mean, pitchers hitting is dangerous. It's fun to see. Yeah, Bartolo Colon hit a home run. That was an awesome moment. It was hilarious. So cool. The The... The call for it is one of the best calls ever. It was great. But, I mean, come on. The the pitchers, so many pitchers have gotten hurt. Adam Wainwright got hurt running out of the box. Pitchers have gotten hurt base running. And, yeah, some of that was pinch running. But, I mean, too many guys were getting a hurt. Too many guys are just a waste of an at-bat. I mean, half these pitchers haven't even learned how to bunt. They can't put one down. So, better or worse, the DH – um. The DH the National League is something that has needed to happen for such a long time, and if it needs to come as soon as possible. So the fact that it's reported that it could come out as soon as next year is something that I love to see. And, you know, there's going to be 
there's going to be the old school fans that don't want to change the game, the fans that, you know, just think that it's going to be a waste and you're, you're ruining the game. That's completely wrong. This adds, one, it adds another job in the National League, someone that can make your team 100% better. So think about it. Next year, J.D. Martinez may opt out of his contract with the Red Sox. If the DH comes to the National League, the list of teams he can go to just grew by 15. Um, he, there's so many more opportunities for players. There's so many more opportunities for uh, teams to be better. You And you think, you know, it takes out the strategy because now the double switch is gone. Well, technically, you can still do a double switch, but it really doesn't take out the strategy. You still have the strategy of where to bat your DH. You still have the strategy of built-in off days. Some strategy is being taken out, but so much more is being implemented back. And think about it. What other sport has it where there's two different sets of rules in each league? I mean, you don't play the, the football. Each league has the same rules. Basketball, each league has the same rules. Every single sport has the same rules, except for baseball. Two different set of rules in the National League and the American League just doesn't make sense. Teams should be playing with the same set of rules, and they should be playing with a designated hitter. And I understand a lot of old school fans and even new school fans don't like the idea of a player being one-sided, only playing one side of the game. But if you're that good to play it and you're that good to get paid to be a designated hitter, go and be a designated hitter. It's a value position in this day and age. Um, I mean... There's not a lot of them, but that's because there's only 15 teams that have it. So this opens it up for more players to have the opportunity to get in the league, and it opens up more competitiveness. Um, like I said, more jobs. It's just a good thing that I think should have been happened should have happened a long time ago. So there's that. Um, and more Red Sox news. The Red Sox signed outfielder Kevin Pillar. He spent the majority of the career of his career with the Blue Jays. Um, he then was traded to the San Francisco Giants last year. Actually had a little bit of a resurgence in the season with them, so he really rounded out um, the season with them. And now he signed with the Red Sox on a one-year deal. This move, I know what a lot of you are thinking, another outfielder, why do we need another outfielder? Well, it's because now that Mookie Betts is gone, our whole outfield projected that it's, you know, Benintendi, Bradley, Alex Verdugo. They're all left-handed. So this adds, one, a stellar defender, uh, Kevin Pillar, also known as Superman because of all the diving catches and amazing plays he makes, um, is now you have another plus defender. So that outfield just got even more defensively sound, already one of the most defensively sound outfields in the game, even with Alex Verdugo taking over for Mookie Betts. So you add the defense, and Kevin Pillar is a righty. Um, so... Instead of now you can platoon him with Jackie Bradley Jr., you get off days, even a DH off day. He, he, he's a great fit for this team because, um, you know, on the back end of his career, approaching the back end of his career, he, he probably won't be playing every day. He could be an everyday player for a smaller market team, for like someone like the Pirates or um, like the Marlins. But he's going to competitive, uh, what should be hopefully a competitive team um, he's staying in what he's comfortable in in the American League East. He crushes left-handed pitching, so a perfect platoon situation just opened up because of this addition to Kevin Pillar. And Kevin Pillar actually has a really interesting story, and it's something that um, something that players that you know 
college players or high school players that don't play at the highest level, a story that they should really look into. Basically, I don't know the exact details. It, they slipped my mind. It's been a while since I've heard the story, but Kevin Pillar didn't go to a fancy college. He didn't go to a big D1 school like a lot of MLB players. He really barely even got scouted. Um, so he actually he got he went to California State University, uh, Dominguez Hills. I, have you ever heard it? I haven't. <laughs> so he went to there. Uh, he went to a prep school in high school. He was a good player. He really believed in his ability to play, but he didn't get scouted that much. You know, there's other players in that area that are ten times better than he was. Um, that scouts would gravitate towards. You know, so. He wasn't getting scouted in high school. He really wasn't getting scouted in college, but he believed in himself. He played well enough in college to get drafted in a low round, and he just grinded it out in the minors. Um, he never gave up on his dream. His his story is just something that all you know D three athletes, D two athletes. If you believe in yourself, just look at guys like Kevin Pillar. He was drafted by the Blue Jays in the thirty second round. Um, from this California State University, uh, Dominguez Hills, um, he, in the 32nd round. And now he's an MLB player. He's been in the league. This is going to be his eighth season in the league. He's been uh, a league average player. Defensively, he's been an above average player. So he always knew he had great defensive talent, and he just had to work on a little offensive part of his game. And he did that, and... I mean, look where it got him. He's an MLB player playing for the Boston Red Sox now. He was in the league for seven years with the Blue Jays, uh, half of that with the San Francisco Giants. So if you if you just don't fully believe in yourself just because scouts aren't looking at you, just look at guys like Kevin Pillar. So that's all I got to say about him. I think it's a great signing Sox. And this kind of fits in with – I know Heim Bloom is under a lot of um, – a lot of – a lot of – a lot of uh, he's under a lot of fire because of the Mookie Betts David Price deal, but think about it. He came into a situation his first time being a general manager ever, and he comes into one of the hardest situations he could have possibly came into. He has to decide whether to keep or not keep or not keep the best player, uh, second best player, arguably the second best player in the league. Um, he knows he has to shed his salary, so let's just say. Let's say Mookie Betts isn't on the team to begin with, or he's just another team that simply asks him to come in and shed salary. You get, like, let's say he was brought into, um, let's say, a team like the Angels. They have a pretty high payroll, a, a big budget, and he comes in, and he's first year being a general manager ever. They say, we want to be competitive, but you have to get us under a certain amount of money. So the angels are under the luxury tax but let's say they weren't you have to get under the luxury tax so now he has to decide whether or not to trade the best player whether he just waits and out there's so many things he could have done and well a lot of fans don't agree with trading Mookie Betts and I honestly don't either it's something that I feel was kind of forced upon him going into a team and having to cut payroll is something hard enough especially when you're a big market team like the Red Sox so that's hard enough then you add in the fact that you know, Dave, uh, Mookie Betts, you've been negotiating with him. You come in, now that's your job to negotiate with him. Um, you don't really know him that well because you haven't been with any other team except the Tampa Bay Rays. So you don't have the relationship with him. Even less chance he's going to re-sign. So 
now it makes his decision easier to trade him. It kind of makes it under, easier to understand. You want to get something in return for him instead of just that compensation pick. So he maximized in his eyes and my eyes much and as much as he could get for him with the salary dump of David Price. So he already accomplished one task. Like it or not, he's got us under the lug, got the Red Sox under the luxury tax. But what I really want to talk about in relation to this Kevin Pillar deal is all the little moves, little under-the-radar trades that you wouldn't even know about unless you follow a Twitter account like MLB Roster Moves or something like that. The Red Sox have made a ton of minor league trades that benefit them. Um, trades that no one talks about, trades that you really like mean nothing to the Major League Club at all, but eventually they will. He basically took like guys that were underperforming uh, a lot or just weren't that good and traded them for guys that were slightly better, slightly above average. He's making the minor league system better. When you do that, obviously you get better players in your system, but you also, you know, when there's someone better than you, most more times than not, you strive to be better than them. It, it brings a competitive, uh, a com like more of a competitive, you try and be more competitive. It brings a competitive edge out. That's what I'm trying to say. It brings the competitive edge out of the player. You know, if you're trying to beat a guy out for your position, which baseball is all about, you know, there's a guy blocking you at your position. You got to be better than him. That drives you to be better if he's better. Bringing in better players just makes the team better, obviously, because there's better players, but it makes it better all around because everyone tries to be better than that player at their own position. So he's brought in about like three, four, five guys that are better than minor leaguers. He's done stuff like that. Um, there was the, the signing of um, the pitcher that is now we absolutely need him for our rotation now and uh perez from the twins so he's done a lot of moves that aren't huge but things that really will help the red sox uh let's see so they signed multiple players to a minor to minor league deals uh re-signed mitch moreland that didn't get talked about a ton but that was a huge move um so like this guy Jeffrey Springs for Sam Travis, that was a under the radar trade that made us better. We got relief pitching in the minors that hopefully can develop. Uh, that's something the Red Sox absolutely need. Martin Perez, that's a starting pitcher signed to a one year deal. Martin Perez is a guy that you know really wasn't that great of a pitcher. He's had stretches where he's pitched good, but not anything close to like serviceable really. Uh, he is he's 28 years old he previously played for minnesota before that he spent his whole career with texas a career 472 era a five year a last year but he had positive signs he went through stretches where he pitched very well and he's an innings eater 165 innings last year uh aside from 2018 every year he's pitched for the past past one two three four for the past four years he's pitched over 20 games three two two of those years have been over 30 games uh he's been close to 200 innings multiple times it's an innings either guy a guy at the back end of the rotation that you can't necessarily rely on but he's someone there that to help you out uh, along with that the jose perez per, peraza that's who they signed um from 
previously on the Reds. It's a utility guy, most likely going to be our everyday second baseman because Pedroia is not looking like he's coming back. We are not going to sign Brock Holt, which is something I want to talk about later. And, I mean, it's just small little moves that don't look like much and probably, you know, they have a not a great chance of working out. But if they do, you make him look like a genius. So he's made little moves like that that are really – really beneficial to the Red Sox and fans just really can't really can't see that so like I said I want to talk about Brock Holt Brock Holt fan favorite for the Red Sox one of my favorite players on the team for a long time uh one because he's a great player two because he's just a fun guy to watch he has fun playing baseball which is what it should be all about it is a game he's a guy in the clubhouse that gets everyone fired up he's a guy that um you just love to root for, you know, him and JD Martinez had the home run hug celebration. There's stuff like that that you just don't have anymore because of Brock Holt. And not only that, but he's probably the best utility player in the game. He could be an everyday second baseman, but he chooses or not chooses. He was asked to and and automatically was like, yeah, I'll do that. He was asked to play everywhere on the diamond. He's played everywhere except catcher. <laughs> so he can play everywhere well, except for, you know, Maybe he's not the best first baseman, but he can do it. Uh, he's a great second baseman, a good outfielder. He could be an everyday outfielder or an everyday second baseman for a lot of teams. And he hasn't been signed by anyone. And spring training has already uh, started. And that is something that is absolutely crazy to me. Every team, I don't care who you are, every team can use a utility player. He's not going to be that expensive, probably $10 million max for the whole contract, something like that. You can pay him like five mil a year and the guy would be completely content he just wants to play baseball he wants to get out after it and it's really sad that the red sox didn't even give him a glance because he loved the red sox so much it's where he really came into his career and he was an all-star with the red sox he was a leadoff hitter at one point he's gotten everyday playing time even if he doesn't it's a team he loved to be on it's a, fans love to root for him even his son griff has become part of red sox nation um and the little cult following he has, that people are joking around that he wanted to be the managers. There's a classic videos of him that Brock posts on Instagram of him hitting big bombs. So that's something that the Red Sox lose right there. And it's almost confirmed that it's lost because Alex Verdugo just took his number 12. So Brock Holt almost definitely not coming back to the Red Sox. And it's absolutely absurd in my mind that he's not signed with a team at all. Like I said, one of the best utility players, if not the best utility player in the game, he can be an everyday second baseman for a team like the the Marlins, the Pirates. There's so many teams. The list goes on and on. Even if you just want him as a bench player, like I said, he's not a, a pricey guy. So I hope he finds a home soon because, one, the season's starting in less than two months. Spring training games are going to be starting in a couple of weeks. And two, I mean, he just needs a place to work out that's not some training complex. He needs, he needs a field and everything that – with his team he needs to get used to his new teammates so sign him because it would be a great signing no matter who signs him it's going to be looked at as a great signing i'm honestly very surprised the red sox i don't know i'm sure they considered it but i'm very surprised the red sox did not there's not a public offer that they made him out there because i'm sure whatever offer they made him he would absolutely take it i mean there was reports he was going to sign with the blue jays a while ago and he didn't take it and many fans speculated it was because he was coming back to the red sox and that just hasn't been the case so I hope he finds a home soon. I, I would absolutely love it. So it's the Red Sox. I don't think it's going to be, but maybe. <laughs> Who knows? So let's find, find a home for Brock Holt before anything else happens in this league. That's where I like to see. So 
let's look at some ML team, MLB teams that I think are going to be looking to have a pretty good season. Uh, teams that drastically improved from the offseason. Number one, my opinion, my personal favorite team, they've actually uh, they've won me over as my NL team. The Cincinnati Reds. They added Mike Moustakis as a second baseman, which I absolutely love if um, Suarez, their third baseman, is a day off, slide moves right back over to third base, his natural position. Other than that, he's going to be an average defender, if not slightly above average, at second base. Um, he knows how to play it. He did it for the Brewers last year. Not only that, it adds some pop to that lineup. Uh, along with that, someone that I think should have gotten a lot more attention this offseason, I talked about him last semester in my show, Nick Castellanos. I mean... This guy is a really good player. Now he his, Defensively, he's not that good. So this is someone who would absolutely love the DH to come to the National League in 2021. Uh, Nick Cassianos is a DH that opens up. The, the The Reds have a very crowded outfield right now, so that's they could really benefit from this 2021 DH that's reportedly coming. But anyway, Nick Cassianos, a great hitter. He had an absolute great season with the Cubs when he was traded there last year from the Tigers still a great player with the Tigers uh he played third base for them they got moved to the outfield and he played better in the outfield but he's always been a great hitter this adds even more pop to that lineup plus they still have Sonny Gray who was in the Cy Young <clears throat> Cy Young race last year they have other pitchers that pitch great for them plus a full year of Trevor Bauer who did not pitch well for them last year once he got traded there but you know maybe he was just he was going through some weird stuff then throwing balls into the outfield struggling a lot so uh, that will be off his mind he's had a full off season to get used to his new teammates he has a spring training with them this year Trevor Bauer definitely a bounce back year I can see it happening for them so that's three guys that essentially weren't there and let's just say Trevor Trevor Bauer would have better off not being on the Twins I mean excuse me the 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 Reds than being on them so. Basically, he's a new addition too this year, in my opinion. So that's three three guys right there that make your team a lot better. This lineup is starting to look like a very good lineup. I would not be surprised if the Cincinnati Reds are a wild card team, or even, I mean, their division's kind of tough, but they could definitely be a wild card team, and I would love them to be a wild card team. Uh, let's look at the projected lineup. Let's see. Um, so. They saw, oh, they also signed uh, a player from Japan. I, I really, Shogo Akiyama, an outfielder. He's on the older side, but a uh, really big power hitter over in Japan. And interesting fact, the Cincinnati Reds, before this signing, were actually the only MLB team to never have a player from Japan or Asia in general, for that matter. So finally, all 30 teams have had a player from Japan. So that's cool and he's also has the potential to be a, a very good uh hitter for this team so let's look at their projected lineup we have that signing over there uh joey vado at first base hitting second uh vado didn't have one of his best seasons last year but i don't see why he can't bounce back he's always been a tremendous hitter and defender everything he's on the older side i know and he's been slightly declining but he's still a very serviceable and great average hitter he's gonna still have another good year uh, Aguino Suarez, the third baseman, who is one of the most underrated players in baseball. This guy can flat out hit. He can uh, he can field. He can do it all. He he was in the MVP race and people didn't even know about it. So that's your third hitter. Then Moose rounds it up in the cleanup spot. Mike Moustakis, number five. The acquisition, Nick Castellanos, like I talked about. Number six, 
Arstides Aquio. This is someone who got brought up last year and uh, instant power numbers. Look for him to go. He's also a good defender. Freddie Galvis, tremendous defender. And then Tucker Barnhart, a very good catcher. So they're looking good. And then their potential stars, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, who is a stud. Wade Miley, another signing I didn't even talk about. He did pitch great for the Astros for a better part of the year. And then Anthony DeSclafani, who had a, a tremendous year last year. So the Reds are looking good. So uh, next team, White Sox. They signed Jose Abreu to an extension, added Yasmani Grandal, one of the first moves of the offseason. So that's looking good. They're looking good. Twins added Josh Donaldson. That lineup just got scarier. The, one of the best lineups in baseball last year. They had some of the most home runs. They just got 100% better with Josh Donaldson. And then obviously the Yankees improved. Dodgers, oh my God, I don't even want to talk about that. We did last show, but... And the Astros are still looking scary. Red Sox have a good lineup. I know their team has a lot of holes, but still a great lineup. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will talk some football. So, yeah. You're listening to WDM 91.3 Providence. Welcome back. You're listening to WDM 91.3 PC Radio. This is Behind the Dish, and we have some breaking news, actually. the As we speak... The Houston Astros are having a press conference with manager Dusty Baker, um, the owner of the team, and uh, two players, one of which is Jose Altuve, a player that has been uh, linked to a lot of the cheating. And we actually have a quote from Alex Bregman, who was also present at the press conference. Uh, just tweeted out. He literally just said it in the press conference. So this tweet is per Jeff Passan. Alex Bregman quote said, I'm really sorry about the choices that we made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I have learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. And that is probably the same message that absolutely everyone on this Astros team is thinking. Um, So, I mean, I'm sure more quotes will come out of this and no one, I'm sure, is going to take this the the right way. I'm sure there's this going to be said, yeah, they're saying that because they have to. I'm sure the Astros players really do mean it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them regret their actions as they were doing it. I'm sure a lot of them didn't, but anyway, let's go into the football talk. So what I got lined up is some Tom Brady talk and links to, which connects to Phillip Rivers. So recently, Phillip Rivers... And the the Chargers came to a mutual agreement that he's going to become an unrestricted free agent. That opens up a lot of doors for him. Uh, a pretty good quarterback, in my opinion. Not one of the best, but he he's he's a very good quarterback. He has potential to be very good. So he can go to a lot of teams. And what this really does is open up an opportunity for the the Chargers to explore even more in depth their connection to Tom Brady and their chance to get him. So ever since everyone knew, since the beginning of the year, it's been said that Tom Brady has a really good chance of going to the Chargers because, you know, he he's a California guy. Uh, the, the joke that's been out there is, you know, you got to let Gisela go sit on the beach all day, right? So 
I, I really don't think there's a good chance he's going to be anywhere but the Patriots, but who knows? Sports, crazy things happen all the time. But this really just allows them to have even a better argument for signing Tom Brady. I, I think they actually did this move and allowed Phillip Rivers to become an unrestricted free agent in response to it. And now they have even more saying, like, hey, we don't have a quarterback, and we're going to pay you a ton of money. And it's California. You're a California native. Come back home. Come back and deliver us a championship. We have the assets for you. We have the receivers. We're a great team. So just come on. I, I can. They have a great argument to get him to sign there. And I'm sure he would consider it. But, I mean, this guy, he's a New England Patriot through and through. Uh, we've said it so many times on the show, and just uh, you say it, all the New England fans talk about it with all their friends. Uh, but I mean, like Tom Brady just po uh, just commented on Julian Edelman's post the other day, saying, "Dude, come back to New England so we can have a catch." So he, he still, when, when he when it was said that he was selling his house and moving to Connecticut, guess what? Connecticut's still in New England. Yeah, he's closer to New York, but he's not he's not in California until he moves out of New England or. I mean, and, and plus, guys can have two houses. So, I mean, he's he's still in New England. He's still close to Gillette. The moving thing, in my opinion, has no effect on uh, where he's going to play. That that was just crazy that people were talking about it, in my opinion. But should he consider going to the Chargers? I mean, if I was Tom Brady, here's what I would do. I would have the Patriots as my number one choice because you've been with them your whole career. You've had success. You have a great relationship with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. Everyone in the whole organization you have a great relationship with. You're an idol here. You'll always be an idol here. Even if you leave, they're still going to love you. Um, so he's an idol here. He's beloved. Uh, obviously a great quarterback. Plus Bill Belichick and him, the, probably the best quarterback-coach relationship ever. So think of them think of the patriots if i'm tom brady i think of the patriots as my number one choice no matter what and but i'm going to explore my options because if he really wants to he deserves to go out there and get that money with any sport if a player i, I firmly believe this if a player thinks they can go out and get more money than we're making they should go out and get that money i know a lot of people think like athletes are overpaid and everything but it's a grind and they generate so much money they're they're one of the the biggest like biggest businesses like out there you know they generate billions of dollars and the Patriots themselves do so he deserves to get paid the Patriots are willing to pay him that money too Robert Kraft has said he's not going to force Bill Belichick to force Tom Brady out so if it's his choice it's a football decision not he obviously loves Tom Brady uh it's a football decision and I would completely understand that I know a lot of New England fans would be upset but I mean it at the end of the day it's it's where you want to move your team if you're Bill Belichick, you you got to think of the future. So if you sign, if Tom Brady wants to sign a three-year deal and only a three-year deal, then if you're Bill Belichick, you got to be up with him be like, dude, we'll give you three years, but you're not going to start all three. Or maybe he will if he's that good. I mean, the dude's bionic, so I mean, come on. But, uh, I mean, I am all for Tom Brady going out there and exploring his options. Same thing with Mookie Betts. Red Sox Nation was so upset that we couldn't re-sign him. Um, but he has every right to go out there and test the market. If he believes he's the second best player in the league and he has a strong argument for that, he deserves to go out there and try and beat Mike Trout's contract, try and beat Bryce Harper, Manny Machado's contract. He is 100% a better player than Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. So if he looks at their contract and think they got th uh, upwards of $300 million, 
he uh, then yeah I'm he's gonna go out there and try and make as much money as possible because that money is not just for you it's for your family if you get that your family is set for life and I know it's a, an absurd amount of money no matter what but like I said they do generate billions of dollars and it's a grind being a professional athlete it takes a tremendous toll on your body um, especially in the case of of football players with all crazy like CTE things and just other crazy injuries and baseball too not necessarily CTE but the the, the tolls it takes on your entire body especially your arm the throwing a baseball is one of the most unnatural motions you can possibly do and we have guys out there every major leaguer can throw upwards of 80 most of them upwards of 90 miles per hour so you're humming a sphere through the air 90 miles per hour for 162 games a year that takes a tremendous toll on your arm uh and plus just the grind of you know practice every day you don't have a game for the most part if you have an off day most guys are still taking that time to take some swings uh the off season hashtag no off season it's extremely corny but i mean it yeah, it's off season from baseball, but they're still working, taking a toll on their bodies. Yeah, they're making their bodies better, but at the end of the day, when they're older, it's gonna take a toll on them. They they deserve every right they have. They they deserve to go out there and get paid. And I firmly believe that if you want to bet on yourself and go into free agency, a hundred percent do it. So, like I said, I have I have no problem with Tom Brady uh, going out there and testing the market, even if he knows in his heart he's gonna be a New England Patriot again. Um. Go out there, see what the Chargers have to offer. See what every other team has to offer because you deserve it. He, He's the GOAT, and the GOAT deserves to be paid like the GOAT. Um, so uh, another quote actually just came through from the press conference. Uh, pretty simple, but like I said, there was the Alex, Alex Bregman quote, and then Jose Altuve is quoted saying, the whole Astros organization feels bad about what happened in 2017. So uh, this is the apology that the Astros were talking about. They weren't going to force the Astros player to, players to apologize, but, I mean, you're kind of crazy if you think they aren't going to apologize because, I mean, like I said, so many players have been outspoken about this and how disappointed they are. But, um, all right, so we're going to take a really quick break here. And for the last part of the show, I'm going to play a clip the clip I was talking about earlier in the show from Trevor Bauer, because I think it has a lot of meaning behind it and a lot. there's a great topic behind it. So we're going to play that clip uh, when we come back. So really quick break, no more than two minutes. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to WDN 91, 91.3 Providence. Welcome back. You're listening to WDM 91.3. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Dish, and I'm Ben Bellotti, your host. All right, last 10 minutes of the show. Uh, like I said, I got a Trevor Bauer video for you, the video I was referring to earlier in the show, and then I got some little thoughts about it. I completely agree with what he has to say, and, you know, it's going to be great. So let's uh, let's check it out. Uh, this video, like I said, is in response to the rule changes reported to the league, uh, mainly the playoff, but really this is just about baseball in general and everything that Trevor Bauer believes they have to change. So just a short two-minute clip on um, where he gets pretty into it, and it's a it's a great clip, and I'd love to see more of this from players. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about that right after we watch it. So let's take a listen. On top of that, they can't even go to Twitter where all the young people hang out. You can't even go to social media and see anything about the game. Steph Curry throws a bounce pass in an NBA game, and it, it's trending with 1.5 million views five minutes later. And Mike Trout goes and launches himself and robs a homer or something, and you can't find the highlight anywhere online. It's ridiculous. You got Bam that 
baseball advanced media that was designed to just centralize all MLB content and force people to pay to have access to it. Great, you made a lot of money up front. But you centralize all this content and you make people pay for it. And you know what you get? You get a missing generation of fans. You make some money up front, great, and you miss a generation of fans and the, the game is losing popularity and especially amongst young people. I mean, let's not even talk about like the shoes, the cleats. Oh, hey, Mike Clevenger, you can't wear those shoes that are colorful that everybody on Twitter likes because it violates our stupid cleat policy where you get three colors of cleats. Like, I mean, what does it even matter? Just let the players express themselves. Let it have some personality. Market the game. Don't change it. Don't make the mound 62 feet. Don't make playoffs where you have to pick your opponent and freaking whatever. Don't change the game. Market the players. You have more players in baseball than any other league with much more diverse backgrounds worldwide. More so than any of the other major American sports. And it's the least marketable. It's because you make stupid decisions about how you market the players. You don't open it up. Let content go. Get it out there. Quit with this stupid cleat policy, the stupid uh, BAM policy, blackouts all over the place. Like, And that's just dealing with content that we already have available. Like, where's the innovation in content? Like, where, where's the next thing that's that's going to draw fans in? Like, who who's innovating? Who's creating something new? Who's trying to identify with the young fans? <sighs> All right, so there's Trevor Bauer uh, getting pretty emotional, in my opinion, over uh, something that he has every right to. I mean, Trevor Bauer, a very outspoken guy, kind of lets, lets it fly. Whatever he wants to say, he pretty much says. Um, and I really have no problem with that when it's some of the stuff he says is a little out there and a little crazy and he's a very strange guy with his, some of his beliefs and mannerisms uh, I don't agree with but for the most part I mean let this guy go let him let him fly more stuff like this more players need to be outspoken like this in order for change to occur everything he said in this video I 100% agree with especially and I, I emphasize this point of more than anything else, and I really think Trevor Bauer said it perfectly. You have more players in the MLB than other any other league, and on top of that, like he said, more diversity. You have players from Australia. There's a couple players from Australia. Uh, players, we have a player. There's a player from uh, Nigeria, uh, over overseas. Some London guys, uh, all around the U.S. Uh, all the. Hispanic community, uh, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, everything. They're, they're from all over the place. Colombia, look at the World Baseball Classic. It's it's filled with, with talented guys from throughout the MLB and even guys that just love baseball. They're, everyone plays baseball worldwide for the most part. They have enough for the World Baseball Classic. They have enough to go back into the Olympics. And what's crazy is what he's saying uh, you can't market them because MLB restricts it to only their page, only their things they own, only people they approve. Every other league, you can take whatever you want and post it anywhere. Not every other league, but especially the NBA. Like he's saying, Steph Curry gets a bounce pass. It's it's everywhere, everywhere. If if something big happens in the MLB, you can only see it on their page. And I know I talked about this earlier, but it's just so crazy to me. Like they have such great opportunities, such great guys to to market with Ronald Cunha Jr. an absolute electric player Fernando Tatis Jr. these guys only baseball fans really know about because they don't they're not allowed to market them no one else 
John Boy Media, a great personality on, uh, on Twitter. His videos were starting to get taken down because they weren't licensed by MLB. I mean, come on. It's growing the game. If what you want to do is grow the game, let people around you grow the game. Let videos be out there no matter what. Let content fly. If you, Everyone's concerned that Mike Trout isn't isn't marketed isn't isn't like recognizable it, it's because of this and it, like uh, it, it's just trevor bauer said it perfectly i mean i completely agree with everything and i know i'm just going on and on about it but i mean really like it's a great sport and i know it's not for everyone and everyone doesn't love it but i'm sure everyone can connect and like the personalities that lmb has to offer if they could just see them because you're every day sports fan that doesn't follow the MLB really isn't going to see anything except like a top 10 play that's absolutely ridiculous and you don't you don't get to see Ronald Acuña Jr. pimping a home run and uh taunting people down the line. You don't you don't see that from other guys. You, you all you see is like the huge game-winning home run to send them into the postseason. So I completely agree. Let them play. Let them show their personalities because that is also a great tool. You see you see a guy repping a sick colored glove or or multicolored cleats with cool designs on them. Don't don't find the players for that. Let them do it because people see that it grows the game. It's all about growing the game. These rule changes they have aren't not going to grow the game. What's going to grow the game is exactly what Trevor Bauer and every other player is thinking about it. Every player is thinking about it. Just he's the only one that wants to say it because no one, everyone else, just wants to tiptoe around and go about their business. Trevor Bauer just lets it fly. He puts his opinions out there, which isn't always for the best. But I mean, it, he gets this point across and. He does a great job of saying it. So, um, yeah, just literally, they have the commercial. Let the kids play. Literally, let the kids play. Let let everyone play. Let. I know it goes against old school baseball, but times are changing, and you can still have that element of old school baseball with letting emotions fly and letting people show what they're all about. So, uh, we're gonna end on that note. Uh, sorry if the show kind of dragged on a little bit. You know, we're getting used to this early time slot. Used to having a little bit later. Waking up at 7, 7 o'clock in the morning preparing for the show is a lot harder than waking up at uh, 9.30. So we're going to get used to it. The shows are going to only get better. Hopefully you enjoyed. Thank you to all who listened and to all who put input out uh, messaging me personally and all that. So uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed. We'll be back next week. So... Uh, thanks to Rob. He couldn't say the whole show, but he'll definitely be back. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening once again. Uh, make sure to keep on listening, keep spreading the content, watching content. I uh, got a YouTube channel up, uh, Instagram page, uh, Behind the Dish on everything, uh, BTS Sports on Instagram. But if you search Behind the Dish Sports, it will pop right up. So go ahead to subscribe, follow if you want to. If not, just keep on listening. And thank you for all the support I've gotten from everyone. And I hope it continues to grow. So like I said, we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you for listening. You're listening to WM 91.3. This has been Behind the Dish with Ben Bellotti.